You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in. If you're a longtime listener, I appreciate you being here for the third year that I'm now hosting this podcast. And if you're a new listener, no better time to start listening than now. As the season starts tomorrow, we get real NBA basketball that matters. That hasn't been the case as we've kind of suffered along through an 0-5 preseason for your New Orleans Pelicans. But they do tip off the season in prime time against the Houston Rockets on Wednesday. But before we get to all of that, and we will throughout this week leading up to that game, then of course recapping the game, previewing Friday's game, and so on, there's a number of other things we've got to touch on. And hey... It starts with the Pelicans maybe, just maybe, having a finalized roster for opening night. There were some roster moves over the weekend, Friday and Saturday. We'll break those all down. No real surprises there, maybe a minor surprise, and I'll explain exactly why. But now we know who's going to be on this team to at least start the year, who might be moved later on, and who's maybe in line for an increased role. The picture does become a little bit clear. Then we're going to take a look around the Southwest Division here, the teams that New Orleans does play the most. We're going to take a look at how the Spurs are shaping up to be this year, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Dallas Mavericks, and of course the Houston Rockets that we will see on Wednesday night. So a lot to cover today and this week in the entirety of the season here in Locked On Pelicans. So over the weekend, the Pelicans announced four different roster moves that really, at least on Friday, were no big surprise. The Pelicans waived Darius Morris and Brandon McCoy. We were rooting for Darius Morris here, given that he and I went to the same high school. We had him on the podcast in what was a really great interview that gave us some pretty good insight into what was going on with this team during training camp and preseason. But did not impress in the actual games and when it matters. If you looked at him, he did play in three of the five games, averaging 7.3 minutes per game. And that was basically it. There's a lot of zeros across the board when you look at his cumulative preseason numbers. Um, He did not have one field goal make, I think, during the whole time. He averaged 1.7 assists, and that was really it unfortunately. So he was an obvious cut there. The Pelicans might have looked to keep him or Jared Jack on the team as they try and add some depth, but that kind of got nixed on the next day. But Darius Morris gone from this Pelicans roster. Same for Brandon McCoy, the big that they added kind of late into training camp. He did play in three preseason games as well, averaged 6.2 minutes per game, scored 2.7 points during that time. And that was really it nothing too good from him there did also average 2.7 rebounds just nothing impressive and with the big man rotation basically being monopolized by Anthony Davis Nikola Mirotich and Julius Randle with some spot minutes for Diallo and likely going to also have some spot minutes being Jaleel Okafor I think there was just no room for him and I think that's just kind of the way it was going to go so those 
were expected cuts. Then Saturday rolled around, and the Pelicans needed to cut two more players to kind of hit the roster limit of 15, plus Trevon Blewett, who's on that two-way deal so far. This is where we thought it might get a little bit interesting, because this team did have the two Williamses, Troy Williams, Kenrick Williams, and Garland Green, all at the wing position. They also had Jared Jack, who kind of gives you that veteran presence, and you thought maybe he'll make the roster and kind of be that emergency point guard for this team, something that they've kind of looked for and like to have had in years past. Look at a guy like Jameer Nelson last season. But that's not what ended up happening, actually. The Pelicans ended up cutting Jarrett Jack and Garland Green, keeping two wings instead of just one. Let's take a look at the numbers here, starting with Jarrett Jack. Three preseason games for him, 11.8 minutes during that time, 3.3 points per game. He did average two assists, and yeah, that was it. You know, he's 34. He kind of has a max ceiling on what he's capable of giving you. He's shown a propensity to be a little bit injured over the past couple of years, but he's a safe choice. But the Pelicans decided to cut ties with him. Same with Garland Green, who did play in four preseason games, eight minutes per game, a little bit over that, four points per game. Didn't have great three-point shooting there, something that they're really looking for in this wing spot. Only hit 25% of his three-point attempts during that time. Sorry, 22.2% of his three-point attempts. I was looking at his overall field goal percentage. So that's not great either, making a quarter of all of your shots. Didn't really do anything else that kind of stood out enough. was a guy I think they had high hopes for going into training camp, but unfortunately just did not live up to it. What does this mean? Well, it means they do have a good feeling about Troy Williams and Henrik Williams. Troy Williams in four games in the preseason, 8.8 minutes per game, 8.5 points per game, and you saw him doing pretty well. He shot 35.7% from deep. He's got enough there. It's not amazing. He kind of gives you rebounds, a little bit of assists. He can do kind of some things on defense, and I think they just kind of want to give him a shot of what to see. Kenrick Williams played in all five preseason games, 7.4 minutes per game, 2.4 points per game. Uh, Three-point shooting not there, making 25% of his attempts from deep, but he kind of piled in stats in other areas. He was a very strong rebounder for this Pelicans club in preseason, 3.4 rebounds per game. Um, And you also saw him defend fairly well, and he was the first wing player a lot of the time off the bench other than the main guys, which had to kind of give us a little bit of an indication of what his role would be with this team or if he would just make the team or not. So, no real surprises in these roster moves other than maybe Jared Jack getting cut. We figured one of him or Darius Morris might make the opening day roster, but the Pelicans went with two wings instead, instead of a wing and a guard. We already knew that Jaleel Okafor was basically going to be a lock to make this team. He did only play in one game, but he looked pretty good in that one game, the first preseason game before the injury. But the way the team talked about him meant he was making this roster and he might be in line for a big role. But what does the cut about Jarrett Jack tell us? And I think the big thing is right now, at least right now, we got to specify that because they're probably still actively looking for someone else. And there's other names you can throw out there that they might be looking at. A guy like Ty Lawson, um, you know, Tyler Ulis was just available. He can play the guard position that got snapped up. But I think they're looking for guys that might get cut that they could then pick up because these guys are on unguaranteed deals. But for the moment, It certainly means that they feel comfortable with Ian Clark and Frank Jackson getting at least an increased role to start the year. 
Ian Clark was pretty bad in preseason, let's not lie. But again, it's preseason. He played that kind of point guard playmaking role for the Pelicans down the stretch. Most people see him as a two-guard off-ball guy. But if you really watch this team after the DeMarcus Cousins injury, he was running point and creating with the second unit. Three-point shooting was not the focus there. Similarly, the Pelicans have been somewhat impressed. I don't want to say amazingly impressed by Frank Jackson, but he's also, you know, essentially a rookie who's now played five preseason games, and that's basically it, averaging 14 minutes in preseason, 8.8 points per game. And he's been doing it with decent three-point shooting, 38.9. I don't know if the Pelicans look for him to kind of be a playmaker creator for this offense, but certainly he's going to get an increased role because there's more guard minutes to go around. It shows they have some high hopes for him. But this also could change within the next couple of days as more cuts come down and the Pelicans see someone they like and want to make a move for. We saw this with Jameer Nelson last season and he really kind of saved the Pelicans for a little bit at the start of the year. So right now this is the roster you have and these are the guys who are making it and it could change in a couple of days but at least we know what this team is composed of right now and who's in line for bigger roles. So before we preview the Southwest Division, we're going to do two teams in each segment here. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now here on Locked on Pelicans. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcast. Our demographic is 98% males and more education in higher wages than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor Locked on Pelicans. You can email me. It's lockedonpels at gmail.com. That's lockedonpels at gmail.com. So look, we all love a night out, whether it's seeing the Pelicans or Saints in person, seeing your favorite band in person, or just being there in the crowd to cheer on whoever your favorite team might be. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. You can sit with your friends. It's always more fun that way. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to help you save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. And better than that, all of the purchases are backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help get you to your favorite live event. So the Southwest Division, and this is going to be a battle for the Pelicans. We've talked a lot about what the Pelicans are going to do this coming year, faults that they might have, areas to be excited about their players, but I want to take a look at the teams that they're going to play the most, and let's kind of work it down maybe in expected order of finish of these other four teams here, starting with the Houston Rockets. I think a lot of people are overly down on this team given the losses of Trevor Ariza and a guy like Luke uh, Baamute. They also lost a guy like Ryan Anderson and kind of changed it up a little bit while adding Carmelo Anthony. 
This is kind of a team that's almost too big to fail where they can kind of outlast whatever negative Carmelo Anthony is going to give them. They still have James Harden, who's the MVP, and Chris Paul, who's a Hall of Famer. You've got Clint Capella, who's one of the best bigs in the game for the role that he does, and he just got a new uh, contract with this team. Eric Gordon is going to absolutely light it up from deep and lead that second unit, and they have enough depth on the wing. They're really, really high on former Pelican James Ennis here um, to kind of take over that three spot for them, and then they've got P.J. Tucker to provide defense there as well. They're going to be really good. They were the one seed in the West last season. Nothing about that's really going to change. The only thing I think that they, you might see a little bit different from them is they take it a little bit easier in the regular season. Their GM, Daryl Morey, came out and basically talked about how everything they're doing is built with the Warriors in mind, and they were so hyper-focused on that, trying to get home court advantage throughout the NBA playoffs, and then they still weren't able to do it, that maybe this year they realized that kind of burned them out once the playoffs hit. With a lot of these guys playing significant minutes during the regular season and basically no one taking games off, uh, not a huge lack of rest or anything like that. They might take it a little bit easier in some games where they think they might get beat up and different things like that because they know, well, it's more important to make sure we're ready for the playoffs where we really do think we can give the Warriors a big run. I don't think these changes that they've had, which a lot of people are really concerned about, are really going to affect them. Carmelo Anthony is a bit of an odd fit in trying to kind of figure out his role and if he'll stick to that role, particularly coming off the bench, um, is an interesting thing. But this team has a very high ceiling and the potential to be very, very good. They're still going to run a ton. They're still going to shoot and bomb it from three as they've always done. And they're just kind of going to be even better now that they've got another year under D'Antoni. Chris Paul is going to be healthy, they're assuming, for all of the year. And that's just going to be problems. This Pelicans team beat them uh, at least once last year, maybe it was twice, and gave them a good run during some of these other games. Houston did come back from 20 down in one, but the three-point shooting they have is so lights out, and it's only bested by the Warriors, and that usually is going to kind of be the difference maker for a lot of teams, and it makes them match up not great against the Pelicans, and now you've got Capella down low, who's going to anchor this team for years to come in the lower paint, who can do a good job of taking on Anthony Davis, but again, with Julius Randle and Miritich, maybe that helps too, and you can try and suck him out with Miritich, potentially there. Still going to be just really good. Run, they're fast, they were a top defensive team last year, maybe they slipped there a little bit, but when you're launching that many threes, the other team has a lot of pressure to connect on their shots too, and if they're not, all of a sudden your defense looks a little bit better because they're not used to taking that many threes, and they don't want to take that many threes, but they have to just to keep up. Sometimes it's simply math. I think that helps their defense too. I don't expect a big drop there. So this is a scary team and we all just assume that they're going to be finishing tops in the Southwest Division. The next team we're going to look at in the Southwest Division is an interesting one and I've gone back and forth on this team a number of times on where I think they're going to fall and for whatever reason after diving into some of their numbers with them I'm actually still a little bit concerned and that's the San Antonio Spurs. This is like a new era for the Spurs but you know what there is one big constant there and that's Greg Popovich. And honest to God, I think that's a huge, important factor. And we can't underestimate that. Look, Kawhi Leonard's gone, but they only got nine games of him last year, 12 games, something like that. And he was just a, a basically a non-factor. Lost Danny Green, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili too. But a lot of those guys, eh, you know, Tony Parker wasn't very good for them last year at all. Ginobili was kind of declining, though he had a couple of vintage performances. But they're gone now. And in comes, you know, an all-NBA guy in DeMar DeRozan, who kind of fits what the Spurs want to do. 
do. He's a hyper-consistent player. Doesn't shoot a lot of threes. Threes are going to be a problem for the Spurs team all year long and really might kind of sink them. They still have LaMarcus Aldridge. They have Pau Gasol. Those are, you know, an aging core, let's call it, but very consistent, if nothing spectacular, other than DeRozan, who can get to the rim and shoot that mid-range jumper with a whole lot of ease. Their big concern right now are injuries. Deontay Murray is out. Um, there, there's a couple of uh, Derek White's out for him as well. So they're dealing with a number of injuries at the guard position that's making them a little thin. Look for them maybe to look at a guy like Jarrett Jack because it just makes a shitload of sense that they would go for some veteran point guard presence who can kind of fill that role and sustain him until some of these guys come back from injury, though Murray isn't going to. You know, if you look at their numbers last year, the thing that might jump off the page at you right away is they kind of beat a lot of really bad teams very like almost nightly whenever they played a bad team they were winning something the Pels didn't do all the time and that kind of propelled them to the year that they had but that's what a Greg Popovich team does I don't expect them to lose those games even when you're trotting out a weird kind of starting lineup of whomever alongside Dante Cunningham and some of these other players. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan and Pau Gasol, even with Cunningham, who's not a good defender, um, and Patty Mills as your starting point guard, is going to beat those bad teams because of kind of the, the little things that that team just does right in what Popovich demands and coaches and what he's known for getting out of his guys. And I think that really gets them kind of far. You know, the Pels drop games to teams they should not have lost. You lost two home games to the Kings last year um, and one to the Magic, too, early on in the year. This Spurs team doesn't do that. That's why their home record's great. That's why their record against sub-500 teams is what it is where other teams aren't. It's just the little things, and a lot of that has to do with Greg Popovich. So I think that's kind of the big thing there. I am worried about their three-point shooting. They were not great from deep last year. They haven't really added a ton of guys that are going to make you feel great about that. Cunningham's not there. They did bring in Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, he can shoot it from deep. But overall, like, eh, you know, they're they're not going to light it up from there. And that can kind of keep them out of games. Defensively, I'm a bit concerned, too. The guys we've mentioned here, none of them are, you know, stand-out defenders. They're okay at best. But with the injuries they've had and some of these other things, who's really going to defend there? But they're a Greg Popovich team. They do the little things right that can make your defense a little bit better, greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that can kind of get them far. I don't think this is a 50-win Spurs team. I don't know if this is even, you know, like a 47, 48-win Spurs team. But it's a Spurs team that could make the playoffs. And it can be very annoying because, again, you just can't rule out them out because of the consistency they've had and the little things they do better than every other team. But certainly, <laughs> their floor is bad. They could be really bad this year. They might not defend. They might not get enough three-point shooting. And they're like one more injury away from you just being like, yeah, no, they need to just kind of blow this up. But there's a reason they've made the playoffs every year since 96. It's a long, long time. And not necessarily something that I'm yet ready to bet against, though I've been close. But I don't know. Watching some tape from them last year, looking at some of the numbers, I think they're just going to be an annoyingly like above-average team that maybe gets into the playoffs as the ace seed. So before we get to the final two teams here in the Southwest Division preview that we're doing, the Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies, and I actually think both of those teams might surprise people a little bit, and I'll explain why. We are doing the previews here, but 
We're not covering every team around the league, and you need to know about all of these teams to know what to expect going into the regular season. Last week on Locked On NBA, all week long, we previewed all 30 teams from the local host, giving you the insight that they bring on a daily basis to their podcast. So make sure you tune into all of last week's Locked On NBA for our season preview, knowing everything you need about the upcoming year and all of these teams. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On NBA. All right, so the final two teams here in the Southwest Division preview, and this is where things get a little bit closer, and I'm not exactly sure what to make of either of these two teams yet. Let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they, they were bad last year, very, very bad. They fired their head coach in David Fisdale after Mark Gasol, and he kind of got into it. Mike Conley, their all-star at times. Oh, no, he's never made an all-star team. Conley, who's been a very good player, only played 12 games for them last year, and basically things just went to shit for that team. They tried to trade Tyreek Evans at the deadline, couldn't do it, ended up keeping him, and then he bolted for the Indiana Pacers. You know, I don't, I'm not as down on this team as others are. I really like Gasol and Conley together. Gasol's great offensively and defensively. And yes, he's starting to kind of get past his prime and be more in like the downswing of his career. But he and Conley can win you a lot of games. And there's a reason that Memphis team, even though it was the grit and grind era with Tony Allen and some others, made the playoffs as many years as they did consistently, even if they weren't really a threat to go very far there. But it started with their core of Gon of Conley and Gasol and they're back and they can play and that's going to be annoying you add Garrett Temple in there who's a bit of a two-way guy and Jaron Jackson Jr. the rookie who was admittedly atrocious in preseason you know at least it bumps up their three-point shooting and a couple of other things and I think they're not necessarily a playoff team but a team that might be in the mix that's you know maybe one injury or two away from other teams to being right back into playoff contention where you know they've been for an extended period of time certainly they're in a bit of a rebuild but I don't think they're thinking that they also owe Chandler Parsons 25 million dollars so that's a huge expiring uh, that maybe you know is a good thing to have and you could potentially trade for it. But he might be able to play well for this team too. We remember what he was in Houston before he left for Dallas and then injuries have just derailed his career really since then. Um, and he's not lived up to that uh, huge deal he signed at all. $25 million for him is a lot. But... Again, if he can give you some three-point shooting, some rebounding, some assists, like he used to be a you know perennial five-five-five-five-five guy, it could be something. So I think you know when you've got a guy like Dylan Brooks as well, and he was kind of an exciting young player for him. They're kind of they're potentially in the playoff mix, maybe an eight seed. I don't think any higher than that, but I don't think this is going to be a team that finishes top four in the lottery again. And you know they have enough confidence in their now head coach. Uh, Bickerstaff, who they've uh, promoted to being full-time head coach after taking over on an interim basis after the Fizdale situation. I don't want to rule them out. This is a brutal division when you're kind of talking about it like this. Again, this could go south really quickly for him. If Gasol just is like, fuck this, I hate it again, or whatever happens, and maybe that does occur, though he kind of won over the coach, you know, which always happens, players versus coaches. Usually the players are going to win. And maybe he gets disgruntled again and creates a lot of internal drama. There's potential for that, though I don't necessarily see that happening. If Connolly stays healthy, he stays healthy. This team's going to be annoying. You're going to be looking at, you know, the uh, uh, 500 above for them potentially because they're sound offensively, they're sound defensively, they could be well coached. And that's just an annoying team to have to deal with. 
And finally, the team that's probably going to finish last in the Southwest Division, but might have a really bright future and be a very annoying team on some nights, and that is the hated Dallas Mavericks here. They kind of got lucky in this offseason getting Luka Doncic, who I think everyone was expecting to be the number one overall pick, and they basically got him, was it three, something like that. And I think that's kind of a bit of a steal. They're pairing him in the backcourt now with Dennis Smith Jr., who was a pretty explosive scoring rookie last year for Dallas as well, and they've got a bit of a backcourt for the future. They added in DeAndre Jordan, a long-term guy that the Dallas Mavericks have wanted to kind of anchor the defense down low and give some verticality to them down there after really not having great big men. They've got Wes Matthews and Harrison Barnes who can spread the court and score that way too. Barnes is going to be their number one scoring option. This is a team that's got some potent firepower really, but it's a team that's also going to make a shitload of mistakes because they are still very, very young. Dennis Smith Jr., while an explosive score, not efficient at all. He can get to the rim and he can score at the rim and that's about it. He does not shoot the ball well at all all and that's really going to compress their offense because you just know how to defend him you're not that worried about Wes Matthews long term he's also aging coming off all the knee injuries and everything he's had over the past number of years and certainly can shoot the ball very well but he's kind of one-dimensional Harrison Barnes who I believe is a bit dinged up right now also is kind of an inefficient scorer so this is a team that can score points just takes them a lot of possessions to do it you've got Dirk who's going to be coming off the bench as kind of, I don't know, leading the second unit kind of guy, just keep his career going. And you've got a good coach in Rick Carlisle, but this team's so young, they're bound to make a lot of mistakes. Dokic is a guy who's played for Real Madrid the past couple of years since he was a very young kid and kind of has more experience than the average NBA rookie but it's not the NBA that he's played in before. And so you expect to see kind of those rookie mistakes from him. I think he and Dennis Smith Jr., who've shown some decent chemistry in preseason, though, are going to take some time to gel. Again, you're going to see a lot of turnovers from this team, a lot of bad defense. And that's why I don't think that they're going to be a huge threat to necessarily win a ton of games. If you're just simply smarter and playing more control against them, you should be able to get the W when you're up against them. You know, certainly it could be situations where a guy like Harrison Barnes does go off but I don't think that you know if he's scoring 30 points on something like 30 shots you're that concerned and that's sometimes what it's going to take to do it their future is bright I think the Dennis Smith Jr. backcourt alongside Donkic is going to be a whole lot of fun but they need these guys to kind of mature and grow quicker than you're kind of expecting them to do. They're going to be significantly better than they were last year. But I don't know if they're necessarily going to be sniffing 500. They're not going to be sniffing the playoffs. But they're not going to be the easy out that they were last year, certainly. Particularly when you have a guy like DeAndre Jordan down low who can make things a little bit more miserable. But these guys can get in foul trouble, of course, too. So I think they're still a team you should win against. But they can be annoying, particularly if that backcourt's starts going off they can give some teams some trouble and that is the southwest division just kind of giving you a preview of the teams that the pelicans will play four times each the majority of their schedule right there so it can be kind of tough at times but i think with you know memphis and the dallas mavericks being a little bit down though tough outs the pelicans are more talented than them i think they're more talented than the spurs i think you're going to see the division shake out with houston number one the pels two spurs three memphis four and the dallas mavericks five
So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Still more season preview stuff to come before the opening night game on Wednesday on the road at the Houston Rockets in primetime. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we are going to get you up to speed before then. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 